I was in a power plant and because of the remote location of, of, this, uh, of this power plant, and now with the COVID, they have less people there. And one of the things that we were discussing with them was, okay, but I want to have now a complete visibility about every component in my plant. Welcome everybody to the Industrial Security Podcast. My name is Nate Nelson. I'm here with Andrew Ginter, the Vice President of Industrial Security at Waterfall Security Solutions. He is going to introduce the subject and the guest of today's show, Andrew how are you? I'm very well. Thank you, Nate. Our guest today is Andrea Carcano. He is the co-founder and chief product officer at Nozomi. And we're going to be talking about OT and IoT security, you know, taking that security to the cloud. All right. Here's you and Andrea. Hello, Andrea. Uh, thank you for joining us. Can you tell us a bit about yourself and about Nozomi? So hi, Andrew. Uh, thanks for inviting me. Great pleasure to be here today uh, discussing such an important topic with you. So uh, talking about myself, as you mentioned, I'm the co-founder and chief product officer in Nozomi Networks. Um, I founded Nozomi already seven years ago. I have a technical background. I comes from the research side. So I did uh, a PhD focused on industrial control system cybersecurity, working at the beginning on the offensive side and then, you know, moving on the defensive side. Um, and after that, I have the great opportunity to join a big oil and gas company. And I think that's, you know, for my experience was key because, you know, after working in the research side for many years, um, I have the chance to work for three years in the security operations center. So, uh, was a great uh, learning phase, let me say, and uh, and then after that is is that was the moment where I start thinking if I had the prototype that I developed during the PhD it would be easier to solve some of the problem that that we had at that time, right? That is the same problem that today many of our customer has, like visibility, you know, uh, applying cybersecurity without being disruptive on a, on an OT network. So at that time, there was nothing that was really helping me. So I decided that was a you know, good chance to develop something by myself. And that's basically why I funded Nonzami Networks. So that is a quick summary, Andrew, about my experience. Speaking about Nozomi Networks, so as I said, right, we funded a company starting from research and, and uh, real experience on, on, the, on the business side. And what we do uh, today is basically we have a solution that is focused in providing visibility and protection to what is so-called you know, OT network and critical infrastructure. So we have right now, we are offering uh, with our products protection for everything that is, you know, connected to the industrial side. Could be an IT components, could be an IoT components, could be the classical OT components. So for all of those, you know, we have a complete suite of product and services in order to increase and help our customer um, to increase their, you know, cybersecurity level, let me say. Our topic today is industrial cloud security. It's taking OT and IT, uh, IoT security to the cloud. And, you know, frankly, a lot of people just don't see those words fitting together, industrial and OT and cloud. How do you see this fitting? 
Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely understanding, right? And uh, as I was saying before, um, I come exactly from the same place. I was, you know, the one recommending about, you know, having a full segregation about, uh, about you know, our OT plans and, and so on. But I think uh, there is one aspect that is important to underline that is changing uh, on the day by days. So I think the needs of connection between our critical infrastructure um, and the rest of the network in uh, you know inside a company is changed dramatically. So uh, that is a is a continuous improvement that we saw year by year. But you know the interaction between different components in the network and um, uh, and the rest of the of of the network, so OT side and what is you know so called more on the IT side, it's it's, it's needed. So it's needed, and and uh, we see more and more of that. That's is one aspect. The second aspect is that the type of components that uh, are now today part of uh, any type of plant, right? And um, so specific with Nozomi, we have experience of different vertical, right? We can go from classical oil and gas, a rigs in the middle of the ocean, uh, a pipeline in the desert, from, you know, manufacturing plant, you know, from building cars or doing any other type of... Uh, um, uh, of product and uh, and also you know more broad about transportation about energy chemical pharmaceutical so in a, in any of the this of these different vertical based on you know different flavor and different needs of course that all the different vertical has one of the aspects that we we notice is is also that the type of device inside this type of network is changing. I think we saw 10 years ago where there was more segregation, less interaction with the outside network. And I think, you know, the majority of the components were tied with what we define today an OT components. So it was a PLC built by an automation vendor, an RTO, a classical HMI or PI, or, you know, there was more classical components that was related to, to the OT. But there is an evolution now for multiple reasons, for, you know, physical security reason, for visibility about what the plants is doing, for monitoring, for being more effective in collecting information. So right now inside a plant like that, we can identify it and we can see any type of device. We can see tablet, barcode readers, um, cameras, VoIP phone, printers, you know, classical um computers you know running uh, of course an important software like an engineering workstation or or uh, you know a SCADA master and so on right all the different components now are you know are there and they are together inside what we define ot plans so going back to your question andrew i think these two aspects are basically bringing the industry to a sort of a new uh challenge and uh and open up the possibility of asking to ourselves is provide is you know the cloud and and the capabilities that the cloud can offer can the cloud provide um to you know any of of this vertical for example can provide a better um better capabilities in order to increase you know the cybersecurity level and and i think the other important question that we should ask to ourselves is you know, is sending this data on the cloud decrease overall the cybersecurity level or, 
or you know is is basically providing providing some help and of course you know from my point of view we have a gigantic opportunity and i believe that it's time to you know be a little bit more open from that perspective you know andrew uh andrea may be the first person on this show maybe the first person i've i've heard ever or at least in a while to um, speak about the cloud as itself a cybersecurity resource. Um, now, this is only in my experience, of course, but usually when we talk about cloud, um, we're talking about it as a tool for functionality, for, for handling your data, and then we talk about how to secure it. Um, Andrea is saying that the cloud is itself the security asset, which is a pretty new idea to me. Yeah, that's that's a good point, and it's it's a little bit confusing here. Andrea is coming from sort of he's he's immersed in what Nozomi does, and you know I suggest he's maybe he he said it if you know what you're listening for. But uh, you know, let me add a couple of words to to Andrea's answer here. Um, what he's talking about is a security operations center in the cloud. He's not talking about sending, you know, predictive maintenance information out to the cloud and saying that's somehow mysteriously more secure than doing predictive maintenance in-house. He's saying that there's benefits to sending security information into the cloud, into a security operations center. And this is, you know, he, he talked a bit about what Nozomi does. Nozomi has a product that uh, is an OT intrusion detection and, you know, security monitoring sensor. It's a product that connects to uh, an OT network that gets a copy of all the traffic on the network that sends, you know, information. It, it, it extracts information from the packet stream. It sends information into the into the cloud. And now you have, a, you know, a, a central cloud, uh, a bunch of experts out there, Nozomi experts, who can interpret this information and tell you, you know, how much trouble you're in and, you know, trigger incident response if they detect security incidents in, in progress. You know, one of, the, one of the big benefits of this design is that there's really not that much security-wise that happens in an individual plant. Most plants just aren't, I mean, even big plants just aren't big enough to have a lot of security stuff going on. And so if you have a security operations center that is monitoring multiple plants, it's much easier to keep a set of, of experts engaged in that center because they have things to do. They have opportunities to use their expertise. Um, and so it, you know, it, this is one of the reasons it makes sense to, to do things sort of centrally security wise, as opposed to, you know, piecewise you know, every, every plant having its own security operation center. Okay, but as you explain sort of what may have been left unsaid in Andrea's answer, it occurs to me that doesn't sending this data to the cloud just open you up to an entirely new attack vector that you wouldn't have otherwise had? Absolutely. Cloud connectivity is a concern for a lot of people. And we talk about that at some length later on in the in the podcast. So um, I suggest let's go back to Andrea and, and hold that question and, and we'll come back to it. For example, um, I was, you know, in a power plant and uh, and I was talking with the people on the plant. And, you know, one of the things that they did because of the remote location of of this uh, of this power plant and now with the, also with what's happening today, right? With COVID, they have less people there. Uh, they have less physical security there. So one of the things that they did, they actually add, you know, badge access control 
and they had lots of cameras in order to monitor uh, critical points inside the plant. So there is now time inside, you know, many of these power plants. This is, I'm talking about a customer that is one of the biggest energy company in the world. And uh, so in every, the majority of the power plants that they had, what they decide to do is to increase their physical security by adding a lot of these components, right? And, uh, you know, now they don't have physical people there, but they're monitoring um, with that device, the information coming remotely. And one of the things that we were discussing with them was, okay, but I want to have now a complete visibility about every components in my plant. I'm worried about a vulnerability, you know, part of my new badge, you know, uh, control system that we implemented uh, since as an IP address. And this is one aspect, but on the other aspect, I would like to correlate eventual information that I get from this device with classical network information, because you know they believe and we believe they can have a complete view. So the camera goes offline and a person is plugging a laptop inside a specific control room inside their power plant. You know, that is an example of, of a complete visibility that we can bring and not only monitoring the device itself, uh, that is very important because they bring, they carry their own vulnerabilities and, and so on. And, but also, you know, we can have a complete view about a potential incident happening in that plant. And I would like to mention a second example. Uh, another example that um, we saw recently on a customer was on a logistic plant. Um, so as you know, logistics is evolving a lot. Right now it's completely managed by robot. So, which is fantastic because, you know, there is a lot of improvement and reducing cost, at least for the company, this is great. And on the other side, you know, the majority of the work that is done by human inside the plant now is through tablet and barcode reader. So the plant is full of this device. And uh, do you know what? They carry vulnerability. You know, we, we discover in specific on, on a barcode reader, uh, you know, a super important vulnerability that will be published soon. Today is still considered a zero day, but will be published soon because, you know, there is now a, a new firmware uh, for that specific component. And, and that was a vulnerability that potentially, you know, can be used for do some movement inside a plant in order to perform an attack. So, you know, that center is just two examples of, of this evolution that is happening in, in this industry. Andrew, with just those examples, I don't quite have the full picture yet. Yeah, so, um, you know, Andrea gave an example of uh, correlating information from uh, physical cameras and, you know, what's happening on uh, internet protocol networks, IP networks, conventional networks, um, you know, with a laptop being plugged in. You know, let me let me add just a, a couple of words. Imagine that, you know, the laptop is a, a third-party service pr provider coming in and, you know, they, you know, clicked on a, a foolish website uh, a couple of days earlier and, uh, you know, their laptop has common ransomware on it. And the ransomware has not triggered yet. You know, sometimes the ransomware triggers the second it's downloaded and encrypts everything. Sometimes it sits there for a while, um, you know, trying to infect other machines for a while before it uh, shows you that you've been infected. So it's one of these, these you know, in a sense, sleeper ransomwares. You, uh, the, the laptop connects to the, to the network and the ransomware looks around and says, hey, a new network. I've got, you know, I've got network shares. I got stuff. It starts going looking around to see where it can plant copies of itself. Um, 
and you know all of this network activity might cause uh, uh, you know a bit of a malfunction in the in the OT network already. Um, it's certainly unusual activity to see the second that a laptop connects to a network, bang, there's all sorts of network activity and it's, it's reaching out to file shares, you know, raises alarms. The central SOC says, what is this? New laptop, you know, new IP address, lots of activity. Look at the monitor. Oh, there's someone there. They just plugged something in, raise the alarm, lock everything down, prevent the ransomware from spreading to the rest of the plant. And you know, start taking corrective action. So that's that's I think an example of of correlating uh, information from sort of multiple sources within the plant instead of just monitoring the cameras. There's benefit in monitoring everything, so you can you can put a big picture together. So I can see that that you know connectivity is increasing. It's been increasing for for decades, uh, especially the the ITOT connectivity. But where does the cloud come in? How's the cloud fit in this picture? If you think about about all this new connectivity, as you mentioned, and the new devices coming in inside the plant, and this new amount of information that becomes very, very important to monitor and to correlate together. As I mentioned at the beginning, you know, what we do is that, you know, we build a software that observes all the different communication and uh, learn how a plant behaves and then bring together intelligence like trend intelligence and the classical anomaly behavior based on what we learn on the system and in order to to raise alert if there is something that is outside from the standard behavior or if there is something that is you know that our trend intelligence can identify as a potential threat someone you know trying to use a vulnerability or spread a malware inside the plant and now it is all number of connection increasing inside the plant with this number of devices that are now part of a, of a, of the OT infrastructure i think the amount of information is gigantic and the level of correlation that we can do by running everything's on prem is just a subset of what we can do by leveraging on the scalability that we can have on the cloud so i think by when you when you start to break the barrier and having the data flow outside from your plant in a system that have a capability that you will never have on prem or rarely I mean the investment that the majority of the company need to do for having the same capability on prem will be very high but now you have access to real time information so uh, there is a component of i can in real time observe a behavior and and uh, and leverage on many other for example, in this case for Nozomi, where, where millions of installations all over the world, uh, we're monitoring millions of sorry, devices all over the world, and we can leverage on that information to provide real-time contents uh, about potential threats that are happening. So on the other side, you know, when you have a gigantic amount of data, uh, having a capability, having the power to do a deep correlation about that data can really provide you know, a more deep, uh, let me say, understanding about, about what's happening there. And last but not least, one of the things that I'm seeing uh, on any customer, right? I think seven years ago, there was no visibility. Uh, the majority of the customer were discussing and talking with Nozomi about, I don't have visibility. I don't know exactly what I have in my plans. And I, I need to start from there, right? Because I want, you know, I need to see what I have in order to protect it. So, and that was the first step. So there is still company at that level, but there is company that they did a gigantic progress and now they have a deeply visibility, 
But having a deep visibility now is means that you know they have a lots of information. We are working, for example, let me bring another vertical that for us is a vertical where we're working very well, mining, for example. We are now supporting different customers in the industry, and we have one customer you know, monitoring hundreds of plants all over the world. So the amount of information of all the different assets that they have is gigantic. And sometimes they have sites that are very, very big. And uh, now the information that they have today are much more than before, also because of increasing of connectivity, as we mentioned, and because there is much more devices um, at the plant level, devices that before were not there. So for them, it's crucial to have one single point of collection of all these you know, data in real time in order to correlate also potential communication that are happening between different plants and you know, identifying eventually an attack that is not just confined inside a plant, but is, is, is taking in consideration different plants. And for them, for example, it's is crucial to leverage on, on a mechanism like cloud and to you know, enjoy and to use the, the capability that you have there in order to consume the data um, in a better way. And to mention the very last point, Andrew, is that on top of that, you, you need to spend and use the data in an efficient way. Because when you start to have a huge amount of data, as you know, when you have a lot of information, this means no information. So another thing that we can do by using our typical intelligence on top of the data that we see all over different plants is providing actionable information. It is not, you know, one thing is providing the list of all the vulnerability that you have in, you know, between all the devices all over the world. The other thing is saying, uh, you know, by installing this patch that is not providing, as far as we know, it's an easy patch to install in these specific OT components, you can mitigate 20% of the vulnerability over, you know, with a CVSS, CVSS score criticality over seven, for example. So as you can see, now you are an operator, you finally have that deep visibility, but you don't have to, you know, decide the next step alone, you can now leverage on a solution capable to drive you to the next step. So Andreas um, touting that uh, his cloud technology sort of provides uh, real-time monitoring, and that makes sense. But aren't there other technologies, Andrew, that can also provide your plant real-time monitoring that don't require the cloud or are just simpler in general? Yes, absolutely. And I'll suggest Andreas' main point is not that the cloud provides real-time monitoring and other systems don't. His point is that the cloud provides real-time monitoring just like these other systems, and it gives you other benefits. So one of the benefits he mentioned was scalability. I mean, we could imagine, you know, forget the cloud, we could imagine a security operations center in every one of our, you know, pick a, a large provider, every one of our 100 power plants. Um, we would need to monitor those plants for security 24 by 7. We have a desire to do this. What does that cost us? Well, if we've got a, a 24 by 7 monitoring function in each of these plants, that costs us five people because you've got three eight-hour shifts in a 24-hour day. You've got another, uh, you know, uh, six eight-hour shifts you got a you got a staff over the weekend and you've got you know vacations that, that people go on and occasional sick time you need five people to get 24 by 7 coverage in each of these plants if you got 100 plants that's 500 people you've hired if you 
put the monitoring function, the security operations center in the cloud, how many people do you need? Well, you probably need more than five, but there's no way you're going to need 500 because there's just not that much that's happening at each one of these plants. And so you can, you know, staff typically one of these sites with 20 or 30 or 40 people, and it's way more efficient monitoring multiple sites than it is having separate organizations to monitor every single site. It brings me to another question that I had as I heard Andrea. Um, He mentioned that uh, by virtue of this sort of separated global view that Nozomi has, they're able to pick up on uh, cross-site attacks, attacks that happen to multiple plants at once. Um, Typically, when I imagine an industrial hack, I'm I'm picturing a single uh, plant. How often are attacks really occurring at multiple locations in the world at the same time? That's a good question. Um, in my recollection, I can only remember, you know, a half dozen of these these kinds of attacks in, in recent history, and they were all targeted ransomware attacks. So I'm remembering uh, there was a couple of Honda plants that were shut down, one of them for, I think, a whole week. Uh, you know, automobile manufacturing plants shut down by targeted ransomware. Several plants were shut down simultaneously. You know, the bad guys got in, figured out where to plant their stuff, planted it and shut everything down. Uh, Norsk Hydro shut down all of their. They, they didn't shut down. They uh, they switched all of their aluminum plants over to manual operations. They had to shut down a half dozen plants that they could not switch to manual because they they were too automated. And I forget the name, but there was a, an aerospace components manufacturer that similarly uh, got hit with targeted ransomware. They got in and shut down uh, a handful of plants for I think it was a week or so. So this happens, but you know. What I worry about looking forward, and, you know, Andrea didn't talk about this, so, you know, but what I worry about looking forward, the need for this kind of cross-site correlation, um, I think targeted ransomware is just going to get worse. I mean, the, what I see as the next generation of, of targeted ransomware is cloud pivoting ransomware, where, uh, you know, you might have, you know, he gave an example of, of uh, these camera manufacturers. You know, the IoT camera manufacturers have a very poor reputation for security. So somebody breaks into a poorly defended, a tiny plant somewhere that really has no cybersecurity to speak of, gets into one of the cameras, breaks into the cloud website of the camera vendor, and now has access to, you know, connections from cameras all over the world and chooses to target a bunch of cameras in, you know, a dozen power plants simultaneously and now we have, oh no, attack activity coming through the cameras into the power plants. This is something we haven't seen a lot of, but you know, to me, it's the next logical step. And cross-site correlation, I think, is is a, you know is an important sort of forward-looking uh, capability in a security system. Last question is with regards to how Andrea mentioned uh, creating actionable data, because as you described that example. Of course, Nozomi is tracking all of these plants that could theoretically get hit by a targeted attack on a camera vendor um, all the time, even when they're not getting attacked. So they've got hundreds of data streams. It's sort of hard to comprehend how much data they have to sift through. Um, How is it possible that they even pick up on an attack like this amidst this sort of ocean of information that they're receiving at all times? You got to look at what kind of information they're receiving, and you know, obviously, they have uh, systems in the in the uh, the security operations center to make sense of of this information. This is what um, you know, 
for 20 years, there's been uh, security information and event management systems. Nowadays, they call them, you know, orchestration systems. But these systems figure this, you know, they help figure this stuff out. They, they say this is more suspicious than that. Um, but really, Nozomi, uh, you know, what, what I gathered from, that, from his example there, he was talking about actionable information. Attack information is always actionable. Um, I'm under attack. Do something about it. Um, but he also talked about other kinds of information. And there's really two classes of information that you extract from these, these network packet streams. One is obviously attack and anomaly and suspicious activity information. The other one is sort of security status information. Uh, a new uh, patch is released for a particular device. And the Nozomi system gets wind of this, you know, the, either Nozomi people enter the information manually or they're connected to the vendor and they, they pick up the, the notifications automatically. And now they can say, okay, I've got a new patch that's been issued. Um, you know, 73 of my, you know, 400 sites that I'm monitoring use that equipment. Um, you know, and you can start sending notifications to the, to the, the owners and operators saying, um, did you know that you should really apply this patch? Here is the vulnerability that it solves for you. Here is, uh, you know, it, let's say you've, you've, uh, you're not able to install the patch for a while. Another couple of patches come by and uh, a consolidated patch comes out and you can get a notice saying, you know, if you install a consolidated patch, you don't have to worry about these other ones. Um, and you can fix, uh, you know, 13 of your open, uh, you know, 43, uh, uh, vulnerabilities, and you know it's 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 in a sense helpful information about that that you can do things to improve your security posture, even when it's not specific attack information that that uh, is being processed. So this brings us to the you know the question of security. This is the industrial security podcast. You know I, I get that there's there's a lot of benefits to putting data into the cloud, to putting even security data into the cloud for analysis. But you know is this connectivity with the cloud for for the industrial systems? Is there not also risk here? Yeah, one hundred percent. I think their risk factor is something that have to be considered. Um, so. Um, we absolutely see that, right? We we were, you know, we are coming from a world. We were the one, you know, recommending how important is the segregation, and and uh, we we didn't completely change our mind and saying now segregation is not important anymore. Absolutely, it's super important, and absolutely, in the moment that you decide to let some data flow outside from your network, you have, you know, some risk that have to be um, taking in consideration. And in fact, you know, our recommendation is not to just, you know, open up completely the connection between, uh, you know, an OT networks and, and between the cloud. Um, it's important to make sure that we select um, the data that are flowing outside the network. And that's why, um, as Nozomi, we believe on the fact that there is some risk in any case by sending data on the cloud. The benefit of cybersecurity and visibility that the customer can get back is absolutely higher and justifying you know, the risk of, uh, of uh, you know, sending data up to the cloud. But on the other side, we believe it's important to mitigate that risk um, by putting in place solution that will be very helpful. For example, you know, one of the things that we, we just announced and then we really believe as Nozomi is fundamental um, is a partnership with Waterfall. So because 
as, as we say, you know, one thing is sending selected data up to the cloud for analysis, but it's also important to monitor and making sure that there is no direct path between internet and, and the plant. And how I can do that? A solution like Waterfall can, you know, uh, come in play here and, and providing a very important role. So Nozomi can still uh, provide this increased value as we believe by having data on the cloud. But on the other side, we can mitigate a lot the risk of having the data flowing outside the network and most of all, having other data or connection that are not allowed, you know, landing on the plant. So Nate, uh, let me jump in here. This comes back to the question you asked earlier in the episode about the risks of connecting to the cloud. You know, we want to increase security by connecting to a cloud-based service provider, but is not every cloud connection also a risk because it's it's out on the internet? And uh, Andrea touched on it here, but uh, you know, let me expand just a, a bit about the Waterfall partnership. Um, you know, yes, I work for Waterfall. Uh, you know, we are partnered with Nozomi. The, the way the Nozomi system works is you've got sensors that are connected to mirror ports on industrial switches and they get a copy of all of the network traffic on those switches and they analyze that traffic for you know, useful security relevant information. The thing about these sensors is that they have to send alerts and other status information into the cloud-based uh, you know, security operations center and uh, the easiest way to manage these sensors is to put them on the IT network where you can apply security updates, you can log into them, you can, you can manage them easily. It's, you, know, you don't want to be logging into the OT networks all the time to, to be managing these sensors. The problem is if you do that sort of easy solution, the, the solution that, that, that makes everything easy to manage, now the sensor is on the IT network and it has a connection back into the OT mirror port. And these mirror ports generally are bi-directional or they have the ability to be bi-directional. And now we've got a new path for information to go back into the OT network. This is not a good thing. So if you want to use the sort of the easy management solution and you're concerned you know, about, about uh, the unidirectionality of your mirror ports, you throw the unidirectional stuff, waterfalls, unidirectional products in between, and now we can monitor those mirror ports and it's not physically possible to send anything back into them. The hardware, the unidirectional hardware just, just can't do that. So that's the, the, uh, you know, the, the longer answer about your question about is every connection to the cloud not a risk? And the answer is no, not if you've got some unidirectional hardware in there uh, protecting the, the, the OT system that's being monitored while you're sending status information out to the cloud. So that all sounds good in theory. In practice, though, I've heard end users say things like, look, our strict policy is no cloud connections from OT networks ever, period. You know, um, how, how do industrial users, you know, respond to this, this, uh, this cloud imperative? Yeah, we have, you know, we have a customer uh, all over the world, right? And uh, this is also my experience. Uh, you know, we have many customers that are embracing this new opportunity and other customers that maybe they have an internal policy that was decided and they don't have any capability to change in the short period that policy. In some other country, remember as Nozami, we have deployment, you know, all over the world in uh, all the different continents. And, and there is countries where... There is a, you know, a law or a policy that basically make impossible for them 
because they're classified as critical infrastructure, they make it impossible for them to send data up on the cloud. So that is absolutely um, um, a potential problem. And, and, and my answer is that this is understandable. Um, every time I talk with you know, CISO and CIO in different industry, my answer is that we understand it. And uh, my belief, my vision is that that is going to change. Because we have now the capability to leverage on the cloud, you know, by, as we said before, by not increasing too much the, the risk level there, actually overall reducing it. And, uh, but on, you know, on the other side, uh, I think every company will start to identify that also in this sector, like it was in many others, uh, you know, doing that will overall provide benefit. It's going to take time. It's not going to be for everyone at the beginning. And as Nozomi, we are going to, as as we usually do, uh, we're going to, you know, be focused on what the customer wants. This is our culture for the beginning. For us, you know, supporting the customer is the main goal and the main mission. So this means that if the customer is ready to move on the cloud, we will support that with our new product called Vantage. But if if the customer is not ready, you know, as we can still support them with an on-prem installation and doing our best to make sure that even if we're on-prem, they will get the most out of it and they will get as much as possible, you know, intelligence and visibility as they're doing today, right? Because um, as as uh, it reminds, we just announced our cloud product, but we grew up as a company providing cybersecurity on-prem because that was, you know, the stage where we started seven years ago. So, you know, short answer, Andrew, we're going to support every type of customer, uh, depending on their needs. But also my vision is that if we're going to have the same conversation in three years from now, we will see that the landscape and, and the evolution will go through, through using more the cloud 100%. Waterfall Security Solutions is the OT security company and we are pleased to announce the Waterfall Industrial Security Institute. The Institute is a YouTube video series focused on industrial cybersecurity education and solutions. The first chapter of episodes features the top 20 cyber attacks on industrial control systems. Understanding attacks is vital to designing robust cyber defenses. The Top 20 series introduces enterprise security practitioners to industrial operations concepts, while introducing engineering practitioners to cybersecurity offensive and defensive concepts. The Institute is making the first three of 20 episodes in the chapter available at launch. Number one, ICS Insider. Number two, IT Insider. And number three, Common Ransomware. Please subscribe to Waterfall's Industrial Security Institute at youtube.com forward slash Waterfall Security Solutions. You know, something there um, harkened back to what we were discussing earlier about sort of the this savings benefits of, of doing this stuff in the cloud, that, for example, you don't need at least five people at a plant so that one of them can be monitoring it at all times. That's expensive. You probably need much more than five. What Andrea just said is uh, it makes sense that for manufacturers, whoever it may be, who aren't ready for the cloud or for whom regulations get in the way, um, you could use, as, as he sort of termed it, the on-prem, on-premises solution. But we just uh, finished talking about all of the, the benefits of the cloud and how on-prem is sort of costly and, and maybe inefficient. 
So do you not lose all of the benefits that we've spent this whole episode talking about if you do this sort of on-prem traditional way of doing it? That's a good question. Uh, Andrea did not say these words, but it's my understanding that that uh, when Nozomi does an on-prem solution, they're not talking about deploying a security operations center in each of you know a hundred power plants. They, in my understanding, they generally talk about deploying the on-prem solution at head office, and it's on the IT network. And so now you do still have some of the scalability benefits. You can be monitoring your hundred power plants centrally. You don't need five people per power plant. You can have a smaller number of people centrally. Um, you do lose some of the scalability benefits because you don't have all of Nozomi's experts uh, working for you. You have, you know, you don't have uh, all of the the uh, the infrastructure for, you know, the, the ability to cro- to correlate information across customers, the ability to build up a, a you know a large critical mass of of expertise in the cloud. But you do have a smaller mass of expertise at head office monitoring your plant so that's it it's not that it it's local or cloud you know there is the the in-between solution is still central but you know constrained to a single owner and operator i do see a lot of a lot of organizations uh slowly moving to to use more and more cloud services on on the ot side in your experience, how is this evolution going? Are there are there industries that are further along? Are there geographies that are are, are further along? Um, you know what what is your experience in in uh, cloud adoption? Yeah, I think uh, this is a great question because um, I think as you, as we mentioned before, there is an evolution going on, and you mentioned absolutely what I believe are two key factors in cloud adoption. Uh, one is the vertical where a specific customer is belonging to. There is vertical that are more friendly than others. And the other one is the country. Let me start with the country by giving some example. Um, I think there is countries like, you know, Middle East, for example. We have a big office in Middle East. We work there um, in different verticals. But overall, I think it's pretty common for the majority of the customers that, that are there to be a little bit more, a little bit more sensitive on, on the cloud part. Um, they have, you know, policy internal and uh, and also recommendation from the government to make sure that the data are not are not flowing outside from their organization. So, so of course, I will see, for example, that part of uh, of the region be a little bit more strict on that. Um, I recently, you know, we're recently discussing with the CIO of an important water company in Australia. And um, and uh, for them, they're open, they're embracing the cloud, but they have also some restriction about, you know, um, you know, having a certain certification attached to the product that are living in the cloud. This is the first question. And the second one is they want to make sure that cloud is okay, but cannot be a cloud that store data in uh, Asia, for example, or in America. So they want to make sure that the cloud, the, the data stay local, even if they are on the cloud. So that's, for example, is a, is another policy. Um, I see United States, especially because also United States, I think there is a lot of trust in who is providing, you know, cloud infrastructure. I see uh, in in specific here in United States a huge um, adoption. I see the customer more mature in general to, you know, move on the cloud. And that's just to mention a little bit of countries, right? And I can keep going. We can discuss about Germany, 
We can discuss, discuss about France, Italy, Switzerland. So because at the end of the day, there is a combination of culture and policy uh, for each country that are changing a little bit. Um, the other aspect that you mentioned and is fundamental is the vertical. Um, there is vertical that are naturally more mature to embrace the cloud. There is other vertical that are, are uh, um, you know, less mature and, and they will do that, but, you know, they will require time. Manufacturing. I see the manufacturing going, you know, super fast. Manufacturing, telecommunication, transportation, smart cities. In my experience, uh, this is some of the vertical that are leading uh, with that. Um, they're doing, you know, they're moving quickly. Um, the healthcare industry in general, they embrace cybersecurity even much more due to the fact that COVID, you know, changed a little bit our behavior and our doing stuff. And also they are embracing, you know, the, the possibility to have data on the cloud. And so um, I think if we move on, for example, oil and gas, you know, oil and gas, I think, is an industry also for the very remote nature of their business. And uh, in some cases, there is infra infrastructure that was built 30 years ago, you know, plant uh, rigs in the middle of the ocean, pipeline in the desert. I think, I think also in, in also country that they have an internal regulation. I think I see for, for this big uh, company in the oil and gas that they need to face, you know, different challenges. Uh, first of all, for example, I have a plant that is in a country that doesn't allow me to send it outside. Because the critical, uh, even if I'm an American company, my plant is living in a country where there is some regulation there. So as you can say, Andrew, I think uh, we can clearly identify some pattern in terms of country that are ahead of others and in terms of uh, verticals that are ahead of others. Um, but in general, you know, also there, we will see an evolution over time. So this has been very good. Um is there another topic you'd like to you'd like to touch before we before we sign off? Absolutely, I think we discuss until now about about how and about mainly how is you know we're getting benefit by by doing that. But let me dive in a little bit more concrete and and giving you a real example of uh, of one installation that that right now is is uh, uh, focused on leveraging on the cloud. But it, you know, and let me explain exactly what they did. So. We're talking about a customer, uh, first of all, based in the United States and gigantic, monitoring a lot of plant on the manufacturing vertical. So they start by installing what is called guardian sensor. What is guardian sensor? So I think that's the base when we want to apply this type of approach. And inside Nozomi, for us, the guardian sensor is an appliance or is a virtual machine that can be virtual or physical that can usually, usually is, uh, is plugged in to the existing network inside the plant. Um, so we collect data through the mirror of spam part of our switch. So we don't need to, we're not disruptive at all for the plant. That's just fundamental. How many seconds of downtime do we need for install that sensor? Absolutely zero. By design, the network is configurable in order to provide this type of data. So installing the sensor is the first step and this customer was an Azami customer for you know more than one year now. So they already have you know Guardian Sensor installed in their critical plants, more than 100. And um, and they were collecting the data locally. So for them, the second step that they did is fantastic. They want to now leverage on the power of the cloud. 
So they're using a gateway for having the data going outside from the plant. Very easy, just, you know, a rules configured in their firewall, you know, configure the gateway properly, and then having the data going outside, you know, from the plant and configure in order to be sent up to the cloud. And that's it. So they don't have anything else to do. The infrastructure is, is there. There was no downtime. was very easy. And now they're leveraging on the power of, of, of the cloud, and they're already providing a lots of concrete uh, value. And let me you know, give, be very specific here. So what is some of the value? So as I said before, actionable information, they're getting patch level of every different device uh, because that's what we're monitoring. So... Uh, an important thing to mention is that the data that we're seeing is real-time traffic, is real-time network traffic. So we monitor, to be a little bit more technical, we go to the level two physical level, to the level seven application layer, and uh, and we go, we see from a MAC address going out to the IP level, going out to the application layer, we understand every single aspect of that communication. We understand if there is a ping coming from one IP to the other versus uh, a command that is changed an important value inside the plans. So we can get uh, all, all that data. We can understand how the data are usually flowing inside the network and identifying potential pattern um, that can, you know, uh, uh, that can, for example, be used for an attack or, or, or so on. So on top of that, in terms of visibility, we get important information that complete our cybersecurity level. As when we protect the house, it's important to see if there is someone inside the house that is doing something that is wrong. But I want to know also my components inside the house. Are they secure? Do they have any weakness? And that is fundamental. So in, in the if we use this analogy in the network, this means how many um, patches are installed in my device number one? can be a Windows machine, can be a camera, can be a PLC from Honeywell, Rockwell, Schneider, CMC, uh, you know, Siemens and, uh, and the SEL, so and many others. So uh, which is the firmware level? How many patch do I install there if there is a patch? Um, so, and uh, how many vulnerabilities are well known for this specific device with this specific firmware? Um, so is there any communication that is trying to use one of those vulnerabilities that I identified in that device? This is under just some more concrete example for basically say what is, how we are going to do that and which type of concrete information are becoming visible right after, you know, we plug the system inside the plant. So Nate, what what struck me there was the the zero downtime and a lot of times when we're when we're installing security technology like antivirus systems or or you know different kind of firewalls there's there's a there's a, a risk of disrupting normal operations and you need to uh, you need to do this make these changes during scheduled downtime um, when we're when when we're talking to Zomi when we're talking you know passive network monitoring um, I just wanted to remind people that what they're doing is connecting their new systems. There are new you know, devices or virtual machines or whatnot involved. They're connecting this new stuff to a mirror port. And for anyone not familiar with it, a, a mirror port is a special port on a network switch. I mean, the, the cheap network switches. I have a network switch you know, under my desk right here in my office. It does not have a mirror port. 
the 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 switches you tend to see deployed in industrial installations or even you know big IT installations instead of you know five or ten or twelve ports they'll have minimum of twenty four you know often as high as you know ninety six ports and they have a CPU inside and you can log into the switch and configure the switch and one of the things you can say is on that mirror port. I want all of the traffic from these 17 ports, but not the rest of it. So you can configure the mirror port and by default, the mirror port's off. So you come in with the Nozomi sensor, you connect it to the mirror port, you log into the switch and you say, activate the mirror port. And now the Nozomi device is getting the copy of the packets. And so, yeah, you didn't have to shut anything down. The mirror port wasn't being used. You plug into the mirror port. You haven't disrupted anything. You log into the switch. You haven't disrupted anything. So that is one of the beauties of passive in, you know, network monitoring. If you have a switch that's capable of mirroring traffic and most of the, the, the modern installations have these higher end switches, you just turn it on and, and you're good. Uh, zero downtime. Is there a thought you'd like to leave with our listeners? Yeah, that was a great chat. Thank you, Andrew. I think, uh, you know, the summary, the, the final thoughts that I want to, you know, have as a key takeaway from, from the chat that we have today is, uh, you know, the importance of, yes, is, you know, cybersecurity is fundamental and, uh, and is fundamental to, you know, be very cautious about every move that we're doing. But I think here right now, I, get, I see that there is an opportunity to think a little bit differently and try to embrace something that we consider not good until yesterday. And because that is, you know, overall, if we start to see the big picture and if we do that correctly, we can overall increase in the entire world the, the level of, of the, the cybersecurity level of our critical infrastructure. So I think that is the main takeaway. And of course... If there is anyone that just listened to this chat as interested to to discuss it more, you know, of course you can go on our website and and uh, request for for a specific meeting. But on the other side, you know, on top of what we already share, one of the things that we like to do as a company is connecting. You know, is helping the community. So um, we are may already working with another customer in the same industry as you. So you know, just remember that also as a company we like to connect people. So you may listen myself telling you how much is important and how the customer X did it. But we always like to put together, you know, different stakeholders and say, hey, you can listen the experience directly from, from that person. So feel free to be in contact with us because we're happy also to organize this type of roundtable and make sure that you listen, not only um, recommendation, not only coming from myself, but also coming from, you know, customer that already did and already through that journey. Andrew, you got a last word? I do. I do. I mean, what I'm taking away here uh, sort of reinforces what I'm seeing in the industry personally. You know, at Waterfall, we work with a lot of different kinds of customers. And the two kinds of cloud connection, the two kinds of, you know, sort of cost benefit arguments for connecting to the cloud that we see the most commonly are, you know, predictive maintenance that we've talked about many times, predicting when when we need to to take equipment down and service it, and cloud security. This is one of the top two cloud uh, features, cloud facilities, that we see even the most cautious industrial sites 
beginning to use. I mean, you know, Andrea mentioned manufacturing. They might have as many as, as you know, 50 or 100 cloud connections in, in a typical, I don't know, automobile or washing machine manufacturing plant. But even in the most cautious industries, we see predictive maintenance connections to, you know, power plant turbine vendors and security providers. So, you know, I think the, the lesson here is the cloud is coming even to the most cautious sites and this is a, a classic example of the kind of cloud application that even the most cautious sites are investing in because there's just enormous benefit in it. Okay. And with that, thanks to Andrea Carcano for speaking with you, Andrew. And Andrew, as always, thank you for speaking with me. Always a pleasure, Nate. Thank you. This has been the Industrial Security Podcast from Waterfall. Thanks to everybody listening. Thanks to everybody listening.